snack. What's up, boosters? We're so excited for another episode here. It's October. Happy October, Chad. Uh, or as the kids yep. say, spooky season. Welcome to spooky season. No, nobody <laughs> says. Nobody says. Well, nobody that. says it. People tag it. Nobody's like walking around saying spooky season. It's like a tag on the TikTok. Listen, I like that you. I like that you speak in hashtags. Well, I mean, don't we all li- listen? So I had a really good conversation with a former professor friend the other day. And uh, her latest book is just a reminder that the whole world is fueled by cliches. And the shorter our attention spans get, the more predominant it's going to be. And I was utterly challenged as a person that uses words frequently that our language needs to both be clear and delicate because these blocky, like everything's going to work out or like we're all giving our best. Like these are not going to be like solutions as we try to move forward. Anyway, that was a super aside to say that like, yeah, we speak in hashtags and we speak in cliche. So don't come at me, bro. (laughs) Fair. Fair. (laughs) Speaking of fair, let's talk about fear because it's October and I know that you hate this but but Gideon wants fall decorations around the house is Malia like all about it Gideon like professed the other day that we need fall decorations around the house we didn't have enough pumpkins apparently I don't know like who's fueling that kid's like imagination but well apparently he's been talking to my wife oh she all in all in <laughs> like what um, like how do you decorate for a season like are, are there like summer decorations <laughs> A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Martha's like, Martha's got tubs in the attic marked by season. So Martha, Martha's into making these like big wreaths on the, our front door. And we have four. Okay. So we have four different wreaths and four different, uh, front door mats. Amazing. Have like our last name on them. And then they're like, seasonal mats and personalized customized seasonal mats and they're like big beautiful wreaths that she made like herself okay well i'm gonna respect the game of of making something wow yeah she's hardcore she martha uh as like like type a like go get them like she loves a good craft Okay, because she she go get it. She's she gonna go go get it. Go got it. Go get them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, she loves a good craft. So we we're rocking the fall wreath right now. Okay, so some nice um, like like orange and red hues, like some harvest gold. Like as what? Yeah. What, okay. We've you know we've personally financed whoever owns the pumpkin patches, kids college. Okay. Um, I think at this point, is she shopping uh, local? Those are local organic pumpkins from Stillwater. I have no idea where these pumpkins are coming from. <laughs> We've got a bunch of pumpkins, man. We got. She's we just got coming different. home random day. She's like, I got four more, and you're like, why? And she's like, they were on sale. <laughs> bro, bro, we got we got different sizes. We got different colors, sure, shapes. Yeah, man, you got to group them together. You, gotta, you know, the, it's the asymmetry groups of three and five. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't trust a flat pumpkin. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait, what? wait, what is a flat pumpkin? Like a guy hangs well, on the wall? Seen... What is nah, a flat man, pumpkin? He's, they're just shifty looking, man. They're shady looking. Uh, they're just, they're kind of flat. Like, I don't know, like, it's, so imagine a pumpkin that's like 20 inches wide. Okay. okay. 
Okay. But then it's like four inches tall. Oh, it's like already like, it's like what you would use for a pumpkin pie. Just like set it and forget it. Just like well, drop it in the tin. <laughs> it, it's, I, I don't know if this is what they're called, but to me, if I were to name them, if I were to, the first guy to see this short pumpkin, I'd be like, just Adam in the garden, naming vegetables. This is what (laughs) you're going with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a stacking pumpkin right there. Stackables. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We can stack some more pumpkins. If I get a little smaller pumpkin, I'll stack a stack of smaller pumpkin on top of that stacking pumpkin. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, we've got stacking pumpkins. We've got mini pumpkins, mini wide pumpkins. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if, and none of them are jack-o'-lanterns. We just, you don't carve them. You just have them. We just have pumpkins. You eat them later. You just collect them and toss no, them. No, no. Wow. The seeds, you like really like roast the seeds and chop the seeds. No, these are just show what, pumpkins. These are decorative only. What do I, what do I look like? The pioneer woman over here? <laughs> I'm roasting pumpkin well, seeds. Well, you've already told me you're crafting wreaths. I mean, I don't know. Like you know, roast a good pumpkin seed, a little, you know, a little granola at home. I, uh, when we were doing student ministry up in Bartlesville, uh, I had a few students that, so the pioneer woman, if you're familiar with the pioneer woman, one of our greatest Oklahoma exports, super exciting. Yeah. So when I was doing student ministry in Bartlesville, um, I had a few students that, uh, you know, she, she lives not too far away from, um, where we lived and, um, I had a few students that, you know, they knew her kiddos and that kind of deal. And they were invited to be on one of the shows and they were like super excited about it. Right. And so like the whole theme of the show was like her, her kids invited some of their friends over for like a sleepover. And, you know, she's going to wake up the next morning and make them this great country breakfast. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, And, uh, and so they're excited, right. They're going to get to go over to her house. They're going to get to be on TV. They're going to eat this amazing food. And then, like, later that week, I saw them. I was like, hey, how was it? And they were like, it was horrible. And I was like, wait, what? And I'm like, what What, do you, what was horrible? They were like, it was, it was super nice. Like, they were super nice, all this kind of stuff. Um, they were like, but what you see on TV and what you experience are very different things. Interesting. Um, and she was like, she was like, they wanted that shot of like the first bite of the pancakes to like come off really, really great. She was like, so we had to sit there and eat so many pancakes, <laughs> but it was always like the first bite. So they would like one bite, fresh mm. new pancakes. Slide. And they were like, yeah. And they were like, by the end, like all the pancakes were cold. But you're having to be like, oh, these are so good to get that like shot or whatever. And so um, anyways, it put quite the bitter taste in their mouth. Oh, my gosh. Well, Um, hey, man, sometimes you have to see how the sausage or pancakes is made. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Amazing. Well, today on the show, we we laughed about October stuff. Halloween, whatever. I'm excited. Our next couple rounds of episodes are all going to be kind of chained together. Uh, but this first of the month, and some of the things we were just talking about as you're preparing a talk for our Etch conference coming up in a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, was about fear. And not like boo, scared, but like some of the fears that maybe parents 
have about student ministry or some of the fears that student pastors have about the ministry. And so, again, not to make a swerve, but in the spirit of this season and evaluation in October, like, tell us a little more, Chad, what are some of the fears, frights that we should think about? Sure. Um, so let's, one of the, one of the findings that I found is on priorities, things that parents are looking for when it comes to expectation for uh, their student ministry, what the expectation is, you know, for, for themselves, for their kids, all of those kind of things. Um, and statistically parents really value uh, safety, not only physical safety, but a place that they feel like their student will have a safe opportunity to explore faith, those kind of things. Um, and ultimately, I think that that comes from uh, just a parent's deepest fear of something happening to their kid, right? Mm. And it doesn't always have to be like catastrophic, but just, you know, that their kid's going to go get made fun of, not fit in, not you know, connect well, because I think deeply, like most parents who are believers want their kids to have some sort of faith. And I think that there's this fear that if they go to youth group, it's not a good experience, then they won't want to have anything to do with faith. And so I think that that's this underlying fear uh, that parents have. So talk to me, Zach, what do you think, what do you think are some responses that youth pastors can have Two parents, how can we help squelch those fears or bring light to maybe what they're feeling? Uh, Man, so we talked a lot about it last week. I think the safety or security, right? Like there's a physical safety element, a relational security when they meet. But I think for some parents, youth pastors should be really sensitive to the ways in which their students are going to make entry into the ministry or the group like as as robust and healthy as your ministry may be uh, it's still an organism or an organization or a group uh and for a lot of student ministries that are super healthy like that's the strength of it is like we are collectively encouraging and connected empowering uh we were with a group of youth pastors in florida a while back and one of the things that they talked about they love is seeing their group of students be connected uh, at church or gatherings or whatever, that e- even though none of these kids go to school together, they have a community of faith and support that's really strong. And so I think that's like a value that we have, but that's a really scary thing to approach into if you're new or if you're younger. I think this is why a lot of like strong ministry leadership uh, starts in the transitions. So it's like elementary into middle school or junior high, like whatever that move is, or middle school into high school, J high into high school, uh, or new student, first time guest. Like it's not just an organizational, like you ought to have a welcome crew because like big organizations have that, but like that's such a touch point and transition that like student is moving in a threshold of being outside the ministry to possibly being inside, and that needs to be a carefully guided process. And so I think entering into the community, like some of that is like creating the environment that's like safe and right for parents. But man, like as a dad of a first grader, I have watched my kid walk into school as many days as they will let me before carpool line pushes me through. And I didn't feel great about him walking into school until one of the days he's like, dad, 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 pull over. I see my buddies. And it was in that moment that he saw the three boys that were walking in with their Pokemon and 
you know, uh, Charizard backpacks or whatever. That I was like, oh, he already spots his crew that's going to carry him in through the threshold into his classroom. Like we had heard good reports from his teacher. Like he had talked about how he had fun at school, but it wasn't till I saw him ushered in by three other friends that I was like, we're going to be okay here. And I think for yeah. a lot of our ministries, having students a part of that, like literally thinking through the onboarding or the inclusion process, like not just like we have a poster that says everybody's welcome here, but the process of being welcomed here is pivotal, both for the student, but also the parent that's like, if they go and tell them that they didn't have a great time, like a lot of us balk and are like, no, man, they will have a great time. But that's a legitimate critique and concern of that, like how we got students in and how we got students connected. And that needs to be like a thought out, developed process amongst many leaders and not just like, well, this is what will eventually happen. Sure. Well, and I think that that could be a fear for a youth pastor too, right? It's like, what if my group isn't welcoming? You know oh, yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, How do we correct it when we see them turn the shoulder away? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a reality. And, yeah. and I think hoping and praying that it just goes away, it really never will. Right. Like things like that have to be addressed. It has to be modeled. Uh, and I think it can start with us. Right. Like yeah. if we want to be a place that's welcoming, like what are we doing to create that? Or are we like <laughs> hidden in the bowels of our church somewhere, you know, still trying to get the like, uh, you know, speakers set up 15 minutes before we start. The playlist won't fire. The lights are a little bit wrong. <laughs> right. We're finishing our message. Yeah. No, get out yeah, there. Yeah. Get with it. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's that element of, um, do we know the parents? I think that's also a big safety piece as well is, um, do the parents know who we are? Um, Have we spent some time to get to know them? Those kind of things. Um, uh, One of a a good youth pastor friend of mine, um, this church really wanted him to come be their youth pastor. And you know, he kind of continued to say, you know, no, no, no. And they were relentless, man. They like, they wanted this dude. And um, he basically told them, and they had a pretty big student ministry. Um, he was like, if I'm going to come, he's like, I need to know that in the first year, I have budget to take every single parent in the ministry out for dinner. Okay. Uh, and they thought about it long and hard and they were like, deal. And, and so for him, like he knew that he had budgeted money, uh, you know, for the church, I think it's a great call, right? Why wouldn't you want your youth pastor to (laughs) try to take out to dinner every single family, you know what I mean? That, that he can, uh, and it was a huge deal. And, um, that, that student ministry in that church grew to really love that guy a lot because he built that relationship. Like, Mm. um, they knew him. They had sat down and had dinner with him. That's a lot of work, right? A lot of of time, a lot of investment is slow work. Yeah. It's slow work, um, but it pays off. That's the kind of work that has longevity and really, really pays off. Um, And I think he was really smart about it and realizing I I can't go to dinner with everyone. um, But I know that he went to dinner with the 
of his middle school parents yeah Yeah. Uh, because he knew he was going to have them for a while that's also the age where that like fear of parents ramps up right that transition like you were talking about from sixth grade into middle school those kind of things will really allow for um, that fear of and what is my kid walking into um, can I trust them? Is it safe? And to be able to talk about safety with parents of so saying, hey, here's what we're doing. Um, here are the things that we have in place to make sure that your kid has the best experience that they can. That's good. That's good. Chad, what do you, what do you think are some other things uh, maybe for a minister that feels healthier has been established for a while? I think there's some things that are like easy to pick on if you're new um, or, 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 in a season of refresh or transition. Like, I mean, I think there is, there's some things that the last year has created an opening for us to revisit or to recenter ourselves on, but what have you been there for a long time and everything just kind of feels set? Are there some things that we can disrupt to like face some of these fears? Are there some fears of having stagnated for doing this so long? Or like, what, what would you say to somebody that's like, man, I've done all that. I know everybody, everybody knows me. Um, what, what is, what is maybe like the, uh, what's hiding behind that security? That's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, you and I have never done this of feeling like we have it all figured out. Right, Zach. Um, (laughs) I think that, I think it's important to learn from others that are maybe younger, um, in us in this. Um, especially if we're an older youth pastor who's been around specifically the same church for a long time, there is that comfortability. This is how I've always done it, you know, um, to not think that youth ministry hasn't drastically changed over the last two years. Um, you're missing something if you feel like it's the exact same, um, cause it has changed greatly. And so, um, I think seeking wisdom or at least listening to people that are doing it different than yourself um, can often bring a lot of clarity uh, to where you're at. Um, for for most ministers, like you've seen your thing week in and week out. Yeah, yeah. Having having the um, the opportunity to visit uh, and and see others is invaluable. And so, talking to your senior pastor and you week week off. Um, to not just like veg out on Netflix or something, but to go and experience, you know, the church across, you know, the state or whatever that you're like, man, I've heard some great things. I really respect team and getting to go watch it firsthand um, will bring back a lot of great ideas that that are beyond safety, um, but are just like great ideas that you go, wow, i never seen that before. Right. Cause for so many youth pastors, their experience of youth ministry is what they've done yeah. or what they experienced when they were in middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, and may I remind us that many of us that are doing it, we experienced it in the 1900s, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Why you got to say it? we're 20th century youth ministers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We did youth ministry a uh, hundred years ago. And that's what it feels yeah. like. Well, and I think that's, I mean, again, hearing what you're saying is like, it's creating a spot where you have to be new. And I yeah. think that's, I mean, 
the more that, that you have worked with small groups at your church, the more that we've watched other people kind of unfold, there is, uh, there is something deeply true in a beginner's mindset. There's something deeply true uh, or uh, uh, that helps with discovery and awareness that you have to think about some of the things for the very first time. And if that's an impossibility for you because you are so established and secure where you are, I think the challenge would be put yourself somewhere that's new. Uh, you know, do, do the conference thing by going to visit a different church, either across town or a different state for the weekend. Some of my favorite people like take advantage of like conference travel stuff to go like just experience the office and the ministry life of someone in the town they're visiting, whether that's, you know, Dallas, Atlanta, Jacksonville, whatever. And so I think those are opportunities, uh, but there are other churches in your city and community that maybe you love what they're doing and you're like, I just want to learn and see. Uh, I think that is such an invaluable thing because there is something, I think, to fear that's connected to first time. And I think that's one of the things that um, if you've never been a parent, uh, then you need to be open enough to walk with a parent through some of their things for the very first time. Uh, if you've if you are a first time youth minister, then write down all the fears and feelings you have about did I do a good job? Was this enough? Did I learn what this that? Like I think there is such a like first time beginner's mindset that is so helpful for us to position ourselves into, even if it's not um, our our lived reality. I think, I think there's I think there's real growth in putting ourselves in a chance to learn, uh, to ask questions and to maybe wonder or be like, I don't I don't know about this. Like that's my favorite, like I don't know about this. I want to know more, uh, is where some of the best learning and possibilities and ideas come from. All right. So one last question I got for you. Got because you're a guy who um in the role that you're now in um, which your title is awesome, by the way, right? You're like, what? what is it? Youth ministry specialist? Student ministry specialist, SMS. I'm a text message. Wow. wow, wow <laughs> I wow. know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you've gotten to see, you know, you're, you're not the youth pastor. You've gotten to see other youth ministries. If you were to walk back in and become a student pastor in a local church tomorrow, what is something that you have seen or learned over the last year of like watching others that you were like, I would implement that or try to do that because I've seen its effectiveness. Uh, or maybe double down. It, it doesn't have to be something you didn't do before, but you just saw somebody else uh, who did it well. Yeah. I, I think what I would do now that I didn't do then or what I would encourage folks to do a better job of is to do less stuff, um, create less events or programs in as much as they're able so that they can ready the processes. I think I think I was really consumed with programs and events, and I didn't put the time into the processes. Um, like the way in which we communicate, the way in which um, it's just really fun to stay busy all the time, but I don't know if that's better ministry. And I think there's a real temptation to just stay busy all the time and assume because we're busy, we're doing better. Uh, I, I think there's a way 
um, and, and I think in some ways it's because of counter it's countercultural that mm. our students are so busy with everything that us standing simply on this is the time we gather, this is the way you pray, here's the verses you ought to read, like that kind of clarity to a student, to a leader, to a parent is really, really affirming and helpful. Uh, I, I think in a in a marketplace of ideas that we feel the pressure to create our own economy of creativity when really what so many folks are deeply hungry for is clarity and community. So good. All right. We'll see you back next week. Chad's got conference musings uh, and we're going to talk about how to not get used in student ministry. Uh, Snap. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast week in and week out. If you have a chance and would love to leave us, or leave us a rating and review, it would mean the world to Chad and I. Um, he reads them to his daughter. That's the practice that I give for my first grader is to put the words in front of him and see if he can learn it. So we'd love to have some feedback from you, but also questions, ideas you have for the podcast and what we can talk about and make better. Uh, it's always fun to learn from our friends. And we just are so thankful for the DMs, the texts, and the updates. And we'll see you again real soon.